Ellis, and welcome to Season 2, Episode 2 of 90% Mental Ultra Distance Paddling Adventures. I thought I would start mixing a little bit of not only racing, but also ultra endurance adventuring and expeditions this season. So if you haven't done so already, subscribe for the latest episodes, leave a review, and support the show. I appreciate all of you paddling adventure junkies out there who listen in. For this episode, I had the honor of speaking with Jason Magnus and Daniel Staudigil of Bend Oregon Racing, which hosts the most challenging and rewarding adventures in the Pacific Northwest. Make sure you check them out at bendracing.com. With zero support, zero safety boats, and zero contact. Only you and your teammate against the wilderness. Not your typical ultra-endurance paddle race. But as I've said, these two are no strangers to this kind of adventure. In fact, they have been enduring challenges like this together with their other teammates for years. However, since their races usually consist of a mix of running, hiking, climbing, cycling, and traversing through various terrains, paddling a thousand miles was quite a challenge. Up until this year, the current record was 6 days, 2 hours, and 11 minutes by kayak. This year, Bend Racing set a new and impressive bar for future competitors. 5 days, 11 hours, and 48 minutes. Let's talk story with Team Bend Racing about the Yukon 1000 and what it's like to be an adventure racer. Thanks for joining uh, me on this podcast today. I'm really excited to talk with you guys. Uh, I have to admit, I've been stalking your social media, you know, um, bendracing.com and, um, you know, been reading up on Ben Racing and I've decided that I want you guys to recruit me. So we'll talk about that later. <laughs> uh, absolutely. Okay. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Running or... or- just the paddling races. I love it all. Um, as far as racing, I'm not into running, uh, racing, but I do love cycling. Cycling is what I do to cross train. So, cool. so yeah, I'm all about it. Um, so actually, before we get started, and I, you know, I, I, I like to introduce to everyone, and even for myself, uh, I like you guys to give some background information about who you are, where you're from, kind of what's your story. But when I was looking on bendracing.com, I was reading the uh, you know team bend racing bio, and I actually would love to read the bio of each of you, the short little bio for everyone, just because I thought it was cool. Is that okay? Yeah, that's that's sure, fine. Yeah. yeah, I don't okay. even know what it says anymore. So yeah. <laughs> I yeah, I thought it was pretty rad. Yeah, I probably wrote all of them. Probably in a way well, to force me no, to rewrite it. I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, because what before you read it, because what happens is like I kind of manage the website or did at a point and and kind of put the team together. And Dan sits in front of a computer most days, but he doesn't answer any of my emails. So I'm like, dude, we need a file for the website. He just doesn't do it for weeks until finally I make something up. So I hope it's good. Um, anyway, go for it. I, I liked it. So we'll start, we'll start with Jason. So this is what Jason's bio says as the primary navigator during races, Jason has, has a keen ability to remain calm and focused in the midst of race chaos. He is also the co-founder of yoga slackers an internationally renowned yoga instructor, acro yoga teacher, environmentalist, and former physicist. He has been featured by Yoga Journal, ESPN, MSNBC, New York Times, Wall Street Journal, Wend Magazine, 
and many, many more uh, when not racing through remote regions of the world. He enjoys training clients with Chelsea as a part of JNC training and is uh, hosting adventure races and wrestling with his two wild boys. Okay. Pretty, pretty awesome. That. I left a lot out. Now it's so modest. Mostly that I'm old. I'm the oldest guy on the team, right? Okay. What is Dan? That's say? okay. So Dan is known as to the team as the mule. Dan is particularly skilled bushwhacker, navigator, and analyst. He was drawn to adventure racing after being a student in Jason's high school physics class. His favorite part of racing is the power of having a team with a common sense of purpose and therefore being able to move with speed uh, that each teammate could never maintain individually. When not racing, Dan can be found creating digital space Spaces Solutions as a software architect and whipping up culinary delights for the team. Mm -hmm. Sounds pretty rad. Yes. Um, so it seems as though you two complement each other very well, which is probably why you ended up being teammates for the Yukon 1000. Yeah. Well, we're, the, we're honestly the only two of Ben Racing that are willing to sit in a boat and paddle that long. Like even remotely that long. I mean, we all obviously train paddling for for our you know the adventure racing sport, but you know the rest of the team I think is less. Yeah. It's it's not their favorite discipline. Yeah. And Dan yeah. and I just you know in world championships last year there was like a nine hour paddling leg and everybody was like oh my god it's the long paddling leg I'm like what are you talking about it's not even a whole day so sure we yeah <laughs> we don't have to pull over and camp right anyway. Yeah. Um, yeah. So we're we're, no, we the, love it. we're the two that that really kind of thrive thrive on the on the paddling. So and and I honestly would never want to paddle a long race with anybody but Dan in my boat. Yeah. It's pretty it's pretty fun. We've you know we've only done four right. <laughs> we've only done four <laughs> ultra distance paddling races. And and one of them was just half of the last one. Yeah. One of them was the the and it's you know like uh I don't know we'll, well I'm sure we'll talk about all kinds of that but yeah we 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 love paddling and we love uh, playing with each other so great that sounds that sounds like a lot of fun so what I, I mean how did you hear about the Yukon 1000 if you've only done just a, a handful of paddling races I mean what got you interested I mean, yeah, was, we did the um the Yukon River Quest and well, yeah the end, there but, was the crazy but even before that right so if we go back what got us interested in in that long distance paddling is we were getting better and better at paddling because we realized that it was, you know, this discipline in, in these expedition adventure races that we were losing time on. And we, we would see these, you know, New Zealand teams, these Kiwi teams, these South African teams, a couple of US teams that just looked like they weren't working and their boats were moving faster than us all the time. And we're just like, what, what is going on? And so we, you know, we as a team, especially Dan, uh, my wife, Chelsea and I started training down in San Diego with a guy named Chris Barlow, who, um, helps the the youth like the the junior Olympic team down there. Um, so he's an Olympian Olympian and and like you know just learning K1 um, and surf ski stuff, which we sucked at. Um, you know we got better and better and better, and then the team started doing better and better in adventure races. And you know at some point I I had a failing hip, and so I had hip I had a Birmingham hip resurfacing, and I didn't know if I'd ever race again. Um, oh wow! Like running or biking, um, it's major surgery at 
you know, I was kind of depressed making that decision and, and leaving this adventure racing career behind, potentially. And, you know, one of the first things I did is I say, Dan, let's go do the Everglades Challenge. Like, it's the closest thing to, you know, that we had found to an adventure race, but it's all paddling. And we knew a couple other adventure racers that had done it and won it like six or seven times. You know, and to be honest, you know, at that point, we were getting more and more competitive. And we like to win things or try to win things. And we knew we could beat these guys in adventure races. And so we're like, well, let's go see if we can beat them in this race that they always win. Um, and so it was, you know, probably seven months after my surgery that we went and did the Everglades Challenge. And it was it was literally just like an adventure race. Like it was like everything we've been training for for 15 years, except it was only paddling. Um, and we won it. Right. So that felt really good. Tied for first. Yeah. Tied for first. Um, it was good. And with, we, with the guys that won it for the six yeah. years or whatever. Um, and so that was really, really cool. And so then, you know, we asked Chelsea or some of the other teammates, hey, this is fun. Do you guys want to go do a, a another ultra paddling race? And they were like, no. Um, and so not you know, even a little bit. So Dan and I just, you know, we went from there to the Yukon River Quest. Mm -hmm. We found out about that one um we and what one. year did you do the yukon river quest 2018 was it 20 yeah i think so 20 2018 yeah um 2018 and you know it was fun we we, we went in and we know, did it in the the barge of a yeah we went in a, in a non-race boat because it's the same boat we had here and we're like oh that would be and then we got there and there were all these race boats and <laughs> you know we uh worked really really hard to get second um it was just more just brutal tenacity um and then we were like then we heard about the yukon 1000 um and i don't know it was just it was pretty fascinating this idea of because the yukon river quest doesn't have much you know navigation like it's a pretty known factor it's it's all about speed there's the two transition areas like the four stops and you know we were a little bit more fascinated with just going further right so that's that's where um you know and, and then stuff started getting canceled and and last year there was this crazy race in washington called the uh wa360 which is put yeah on i've heard people. of it yeah they do the race to alaska and they just did this 360 mile paddle in puget sound so like in the ocean with tides and with all this stuff and non-stop and we went and did that and it was amazing and crazy you know and we did really really well we won that um and then you know so so for us it's kind of just like i don't know that we're into necessarily like repeating races um but there's a lot of these really cool ultra paddling races out there so you know for and realistically by the time we've done the top yeah top 10 or whatever we'll have forgotten yeah we'll have forgotten, we'll have forgotten the early ones and we can start over yeah and that's you know i think for me that's it's kind of cool because our sport the adventure racing sport is all about a new race that makes sense like it's never the same course like even if you do expedition oregon or the patagonia expedition race two years in a row completely different area completely different race new navigation new challenges new strategy so you have a tiny bit of familiarity with the area but you're not repeating it you're not trying to beat your old time like, ah, interesting. there are no records like there's no like mm -hmm. record because the course is different every single year and so it's kind of fascinating for us to look at each paddling race as an adventure race, right? So it's it's a little bit like at least currently it's a little bit less interesting for us to go back and be like, let's do the Everglades Challenge again and try to do better than we did last time. Mm -hmm. uh, until we've done, I don't know, all these other freaking races that are out there. 
like either the Alabama. I, I listened to all your podcasts on the Alabama 650, so I'm I'm really fascinated by that one. With the that's the a good one. You guys got to yeah. do that one. That one um, is. I could yeah. do that one over and over and over, even though I keep telling myself I'm never doing it again. It's just like yeah. so fun. <laughs> well, and then there's we we heard there's going to be a Yukon 2000. Yeah. yeah, I heard that too. That that intrigues me. Yeah, mm-hmm. that intrigues and scares us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and you know, and, and then there's you know maybe maybe the race to Alaska. Those are the kind of three big ones um, yeah. on on our list as as paddlers right now. And maybe some you know maybe at some point the Missouri or the Texas Water Safari. But those you know nothing against like I know to a lot of people those are long, but to us those seem short. <laughs> yeah. Right? No, I get it totally. Uh, so, yeah, but that's, I mean, that's, you know, where, that's where we kind of got into this whole thing. Yeah. Wow. That's, that's interesting. I wouldn't have known that about, um, you know, the adventure racing. I didn't realize that the courses change, which makes it, makes it more, you know, enticing to go back and do it again. Whereas, you know, if you already kind of know, like, the complete course. I mean, for me, you know, it is what it is with the paddling races. I mean, and, and to tell you the truth that when I did the Alabama 650 in 2020, when I went back in 2021, I did not remember like anything. (laughs) I think I was just so tired and just not paying attention to anything. I'm like, Oh, (laughs) I've been here before. I don't remember that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Well, that's cool doing the Yukon 1000 at such a different water level than we had done the Yukon mm-hmm. at. So like, I recognized a lot of places, but it just looked so different yeah. with, with the, like, the bathtub and... ring, you know, at maximum, you know? Yeah, was, um, yeah definitely. Really so are you, are you two from Bend originally? No, no. Where are you uh, from? Jason, where are you from? In, I was born in San Diego. Um, and, uh, Grew up a little bit in the Netherlands and then went to school in Santa Barbara and then wound up here like 10 years ago. Yeah, we, we uh, and I, my dad was in the Air Force, so I moved all over the place and, and uh, went to high school in Alaska and then went to university in Oklahoma and kind of bounced all over the place and, and spent a lot of years traveling and teaching and living in a car. And, and then, again, this is Jason talking. Yeah, sorry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jason, yeah. Sorry. Jason went, uh, <laughs> you know, did that and then. First discovered Bend on a road trip, you know, with with Chelsea, who became my wife, and we were just looking. You know, we knew we wanted to get into this kind of racing, like just endurance racing, like ultra distance endurance racing, and we were looking for a place to train year round that had, you know, paddling and mountain biking and and skiing and just everything, you know, climbing and and we kind of went to all the mountain towns, you know, Flagstaff and and Golden, Colorado, and and I had never been to Bend and came up here and went on one mountain bike ride went uh, to the brewery, you know, had a good IPA and I was like, done, like, let's, you know, and then I think, you know, we'd been here for maybe a week, just, just touring around and we called Dan, you know, and said, you're going to move to bed. He's like, what are you talking about? Like, we're, we're going to put a team together. You're going to move to Ben and we're going to just travel on, you know, a a race. And that was 2010. You moved up here in 2009. So that was 2009. I moved up in yeah, like January 2010 Um, or something like that. So that's been almost, you know, 12, maybe it's 20, well, 12 years. Yeah. And, you know, now we all have families and, and we live right next door to each other with, with uh, you know, we basically see each other every day, which is pretty fun. 
Yeah, that's great. I grew up about, gosh, I want to say Bend is about three and a half-ish hours from where I grew up, um, a suburb of Portland. Um, and I, I went to Bend, you know, when I was a kid, but it wasn't as developed as it is now. I noticed it's very popular, uh, being as though I lived in Hawaii for the last 16 years, there's actually a lot of Hawaii people there, right? Weirdly. Yeah. Weirdly, moved. yeah. I mean, that, that, you know, the Kealoa. Like, mm-hmm. I know you know um, Dave and Meg, and and um, we had no idea until you know we had to learn how to paddle the the outrigger yeah, right. for the Eco Challenge <laughs> race, the Amazon Eco Challenge race, and we were just like, how the hell are we gonna learn that? And then we're like, oh, oh wait, there's, there's an outrigger club in Bend that just does two mile loops on the river, and like Meg goes all the time, and then. Yeah. She would go out in the morning and she'd give us like coaching sessions and we were just we got super into outrigger um doing little tiny two mile loops which you know was was, you know super fun and and so yeah it's got a crazy little little community you know i wish we had an excuse to paddle with more yeah they're so fun they are a lot of fun but the two mile loop is is a little bit old when you're not training for something (laughs) and and you competed in the yukon uh river quest you said in just like a regular canoe uh, or were you in a was, kayak yeah it was in a two-man kayak it's in a seaweed oh. g3 which is like more of a recreational touring mm-hmm. kind of pretty, boat. pretty heavy um we paddled it a lot in the ocean and it's a really capable like ocean craft and so i had a um we did we did some really big crossings we crossed to the to the catalina islands and back in that um, and so we just were just like, fine, let's do it in that one. Cause I think by the time we were renting them, all the fast boats had been rented. And so, <laughs> well, I mean, the truth is it's one of those things that, that on the websites, when you rent the boats, cause nobody really wants to drive a boat to the Yukon, like, or at least we didn't, it's a long way, but like they have the two many rental things and on the Seaward Passat, like it says on the website, like Yukon river quest, you know, champion winning boat in like 2006. Like, but you don't read the 2006 part, it just says champion boat. So you're like, oh, that's the boat that wins. We're going to get that boat. And then you come, you get there and you find out that, oh, like in 2009, the Estonians made boats to spec and brought them over and just started winning in those boats and the new boats all the time. Yeah. So we get to the start line and we know enough about boats. You know, we usually paddle search keys and we got to the start line of the Yukon River Quest and there were four Estonian teams, all in matching outfits, all in matching boats. And we're just like, oh. Too bad. <laughs> like, and, you know, we, we passed a bunch of them. And, and I think a lot of it was our, you know, adventure racing. And just, you know, like we caught so many of those guys in the last eight hours of the race just because we, we were so motivated. And we also met these really awesome, like, champion canoe teams <laughs> that were, like, super psyched. Because there was, like, a weird interaction. Like, leaving the last thing, you know, there's those two, four stops. Yeah. We didn't have a support crew. We, we, you know, we're kind of dumb. Like when a race says support crew, this is what I want to ask you about the Alabama 650. Like I'm looking at, we don't need a support crew for the Alabama 650. We're just going to do it like an adventure race. Um, but that's how we did the Yukon River Quest. We had no support crew. And so we're like, we're coming into this thing, like barely able to walk. And we're like climbing out and like, you know, all the other people have the tent set up and like people rubbing their feet and like drying them off and like doing everything. And our, our strategy for that boat was, so you're gonna laugh at this. We made lots of mistakes with just pee in the boat. So like, <laughs> I did it, it too. 
we're peeing in the boat for, for yeah. 40 hours and we get to there and like we're sitting in a bathtub of pee and we like crawl out our body is like got festering wounds because we've been sitting in pee and like we crawl into the grass and try to sleep and we got to wake up and go but the estonians had their boat in our way and like it was just like a you know weird thing and some canoeists saw that so they were like just draft us and we're gonna go catch them and so for like three hours we're just like guys following guys through all the currents and um it was it was a really cool experience just to like yeah, we learned a lot um, on that race and now we don't pee in our boat um, yeah no i did that in 2019 in the yukon and it was a terrible idea and i felt really really bad for my support crew at the end of the race i was just like i am so sorry ahead of time just leave me alone <laughs> Yeah, it's not it's so, not smart. Like what is your what so just you know, as a female, what is your best option? Are you like using a lip because like we now can just do a, a little pee bottle? Like you gotta be like there's a lot yeah. of like, powers out there that are like, how are we doing this? Like is it a, a lady J or is it a some sort of a weird You know, I have tried everything and now since most of the racing I do is in an outrigger, I, there's two options. If my body is functioning like, and I can, you know, I have the strength to do this. I'll just usually like, cause you know, there's a footwell that yeah. has the drain holes in the Puakea designs outrigger. And I'll just like pull my, my pants down enough to just kind of like get it in the drain hole. Okay. Right. And then I'll just like, I'll be leaning back and I'll pull my pants back up, but this gets like tiring oh, yeah. and yeah. it's really tiring. Um, or yeah, or I'll, um, I'll like do this weird thing. This is if I have like, this is towards the beginning. If I have like a lot of, lot of energy is I'll, uh, actually like get out and do like a starfish on the Ama and the Yako and the hull and like pee off the side. <laughs> but yeah, I don't, you know, I don't, I don't pee myself anymore unless, you know, sometimes I have to, I just don't have a choice if I'm already wet, like whatever. And I know I'm going to be changing, but, um, you know, I've tried everything I've done the, you know, put a sponge in there. And then one person suggested like, Oh, just bring like, you know, those female sanitary pads. And every time you have to pee, it's like, okay, forget that because then it's just, right. it's just a mess. And then you have more weight on the boat and it's like, People don't realize how many times, I mean, your body is trying to just constantly, you're dehydrated. It's getting rid of yeah. water. I mean, you're peeing sometimes every 10 minutes, it feels like. So yeah, it's, it's hard. It's not, it's for females. It's not easy. It's really frustrating. Right. So we should basically, we should complain less. Cause like, that's been yes. the, what's our solution. <laughs> and I never really thought about it until we're talking to you, like, you have a harder problem to solve. We just have to decide to like pop our deck off, use a little bottle, dump it out, and you're fine, right? Yeah, no. And I've tried the shiwi thing; it none of it works. It just gets all over the place, and it's just a damn mess. I mean, the, the, so, yeah. the girls in the in the canoe next to us had the had the like hospital, like oh the bedpan things, the like hospital. Yeah, but I think that'd be harder thing. in a kayak. Yeah, if you're if you're in a canoe, like the Winona Voyager that I was using for the Yukon, um, you can kind of because, you you know, you can either you can either have your legs out straight or you can, you know, kind of kneel down and like throw your legs behind you and, and be on your knees, which makes it a little easier. But 
But yeah, I mean, I can't imagine. I know, um, you know, if you're in a kayak, you really don't, you, you don't have that stability, first of all, to be maneuvering around and doing all that. So I think most of the women that I've talked to actually do just go and then, you know, on themselves or whatever, and then just splash water. Yeah, it's a nightmare. <laughs> but yeah, it's it's a work in progress. I'm still trying to figure it out. Part of alternative paddling is how do you pee on yourself? <laughs> yeah, one of these days I'll figure it out and I'll share it with you. Why? I mean, so, why the racing canoe should just have like toilet seats built in, and then you put the thing down and you're sitting on a flat seat. I know. And you just like have a little bucket below your seat, you pee and you dump it out. Yeah. I mean, this is a million dollar idea here, so. Um, yeah, we got to figure something out. Hundreds of dollars away. So did you, so with that being said, you know, as far as how much you guys have paddled in the past, what did you do to train for this specific race? Did you do a lot of paddling or did you, uh, I by mean, the you look know, on your faces, I can tell. Was, well, this race was a total, a total last minute thing. We got like the email, like we'd set our whole race calendar. With, for adventure racing. for adventure racing with like all of our big races planned plenty of big windows in between to train and yada yada and then this race comes up and we get the email hey you're in um let's do this and it's like okay we have to make this happen it's a week after he gets back from his some race that he's doing it's three weeks after i get back from a race i'm doing and so like when well, and to be clear the races that we're talking about that we're doing are week-long like, adventure, week adventure races so it's like I finished a 110-hour nonstop race, and then five days later was at the start line of the Yukon 1000. Um, so that's not that enough. seven days before the start line. Yeah, before, before we actually started. Yeah. And, you, and Dan had like two and a half like weeks. And we're usually looking at like four to five weeks of recovery between expedition races. Yeah. And so, you know, but we really wanted to do it. And yeah. the last time, I mean, this is, you know, like it's, it's not flippant. It's just that Dan and I have you know, our strength is we're good paddlers. Yeah. We also have 20 years of experience or 15 years of experience racing together. Right. And, um, you know, we haven't paddled in a boat together since we won the Washington 360 a year ago. Like that was the, that was the last time we paddled in a boat together. Um, and the first time we ever got in the boat, we raced in the Yukon 1000 was at the start line. We had no trial in it. We packed the boat, we paddled out at the start line. And then for the first, and then immediately for the first 30 miles, we were like unable to steer the boat because we didn't realize that it had front and rear steering and we were just blocking each other. We were both like <laughs> doing leg drive like crazy, like paddling, trying to stay with the lead pack and neither one of us could steer because we didn't, we hadn't paid attention to where the steering was or how it steered. And we're just running into other boats. Like other boats are like, cutting. They, were be, they were also being, yeah, they're like cutting into they were the being current, crazy, but also we're just like this boat turns at like this massive slow radius so, we're just like this yeah. and then he finally realizes that like i just have to flex my feet and then like not touch the pedals and he can steer fine yeah. or i can steer if he does weird things with his yeah. feet to get them out of the way yeah. and it was the most uncomfortable five days the training was yeah, yeah i think it was like 40 or something sessions on the yeah on a on a vasa erg yeah I put in a couple okay. of days on a on a V7 dragging my son around. I mean, our, our secret that um, we we don't want you to tell anybody, um, so it's, you can delete it from the podcast. No, it's it's like we have won. You know, most of the endurance paddling races we've won 
um, ninety percent of our training has been on the erg. Yeah, very very little boat time. Yeah, um, mostly because you know part of it is not necessarily by choice. It's like we both have young families, um, and you know I honestly think an hour on the erg is worth several hours in a boat. Like we because we have the control. Like we we know we have the stability. Dan is like, I mean, there's almost nothing that can make Dan um, capsize a boat. So like I can fall asleep, I can try. I'll be in the front trying, and like waves are coming up, and I'm like, I'm sure we're going over. And in all the races we've done, we've we flipped once, um, and you know, and, and we've been in some really serious conditions. And so like for us, you know, we can get an hour on the erg, um, and that's what we do. We're we're pretty. We've gotten pretty smart in the last, I guess, two years, two years about yeah. making every single training we do since we've had kids like count. So there isn't a lot of you know there are a lot of athletes that think about volume or like when they're preparing for something that they need, even these ultra endurance things, they think they need to do a lot of it. Mm-hmm. And what we're getting more specific about is if we can train 10 hours a week, but every single one of those hours has a goal and it's, you know, based on heart rate, it's based on cadence, it's based on power output, it's based on all these things that are measurable, right? Then we know if our training is working. If we go out on the river and paddle for four hours, right. we feel like we got a good workout, but we don't actually know, you know, there's not a lot of metrics that we're keeping yeah. track of, um, you know, and so it's been really cool to see how effective that's been and how much power we have in the boat, even long into the race, if we need to turn it on. And we know what that is, like, because we've measured it so many times. So we know exactly what we should and can and, and you know, can do. Yeah, I'm, I'd be real. I still haven't run the numbers to see what what the pay, what people's paces did over the five, six days, um, to the like see, that, yeah, for, of the Yukon 1000. So like to see what the, um, what the drop off is. Yeah. What the drop off is. Cause I know like, obviously we're not putting down the same waters that we are on day five. one as we are <laughs> mm-hmm. on day five. I am. I don't, what do you mean? I I'm totally, I'm putting down more power on day five. Yeah. That's what you're going way down. I know. I right? know. It's interesting that you say that, though, because I I can agree. I actually so one of my clients the other day was asking me about that. Um, You know, he's about to do a 30 mile. And which, you know, for him, it's long. 30 miles is long. It's a long distance race. And, you know, he's like, well, you know, should I do you think I should paddle 30 miles? And I'm like, I mean, that's up to you, but I, I'm going to say no. Like, you don't have to paddle 30 miles. I mean, I say more paddle 30 miles or maybe 20 miles if you just want to see what it feels like to do so before you actually do it. But do I think it's going to help you do better? No, not physically. Yeah, um, you figure out with the long paddles, it's like, how do you take care of your hands? Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. Like, what do you like to eat? Well, you yeah, know, like, you know, we, we know, you know, we know, and, and it's, a, I think it is a little bit different for people listening to this and like maybe wanting to get into it, you know, but like, we know, like, we don't need to train endurance anymore. Like for lack of a better, like, we know what it's like to, to do a mm-hmm. super long race and we know we're going to suffer and we know there's right. parts that we're just going to not have memories of. You talked about that in one of your podcasts. You're like, I don't really know what happened on day three and four. There's like blank spots, you know, you get this time violation. We know all these things. So for us, it's not a question of, can we go that long? Right. And so we're really working our, our speed, our power output, our, you know, our, our cadence, these things that we can work. And this goes not just for paddling. This is how we train, you know, for these, these ultra distance adventure races too. We're really focused on, you know, like really solid metrics. So that we Yeah. Can... And like the, the critical numbers are like, 
how many watts can you put down at a super low heart rate, mm-hmm. right? Like, like what is your wattage when you're working a little bit, mm-hmm. right? Because like, and that's, I, I wish, you know, I wish we had a power meter that we could put on a boat so we could see like what the, like what the power is doing at the, at the end of the race. But probably it's like, you know, whatever it is when you're at a zone one kind of mellow paddle. Um, Cause like you just can't spend five days at zone yeah, two yeah. or zone three or whatever, hard, you mm-hmm. know, like you can't, you can't put down um, the, the big wattage that you can for an hour or whatever. And, and I think that, um, you know, I think what I'm, what I think happens to a lot of people is they, they get out of like even low intensity and they just are like, just putting their paddles in the water. Right. You do that sometimes too. Just, yeah, like, it's very like it's very much, very much happens, right? Well, I of course can see when he does that, and he can feel when I do that. Um, but when you're by yourself, because you do a lot of solos, right? Yeah, I mean, that, that is, you know, and I know you've talked about this in some of your podcasts, but like, you know, it, it's we that 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 uh, camaraderie of, of having a partner is is pretty amazing. Like it just, you know, there are times that it really, as, as long as you get along, you know, I could see it. It devolving into fighting, you know, like we 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 see this. We put on a lot of adventure races, and we see really good teams fall apart because they can't get mm-hmm. along. Um, but you know, for us, it's it's pretty nice because we're stuck together, and we can really feel. You know, we paddled enough together that we can feel when you know our you know speed is decreasing. And but it's you know crazy for the first two big races we did, the Yukon River Quest and the Everglades Challenge, we did not have any sort of speedometer, which we now realize is crazy. Super dumb. Because like we had no like because wow. we relating it to the Yukon 1000 like without that speedo you know we have a, a GPS that's like showing us our live time speed like there are times that I am sure Dan and I are paddling killer and we're going super fast and I'm looking at the speedo saying why does it say we're only going 8k an hour and then like <laughs> he'll be like hey get a little more reach or like a little more rotation or whatever and we do one little thing without output and boom you know. It goes up. It yep. doesn't feel like you're going any faster, but you you really have that sense. And then there's times like I swear we're going slow, and you look at a speedo and you're like, dude, we're doing 15k an hour. Like how you know? And so getting that real feedback, as opposed to just like the perception of speed. Um, I mean, now I look back and in some of the first races, we must have like stuck with this you know form and cadence that we were like we're flying and we're just like on the tractor, we're just like barely moving. Yeah. You know, so it's it's pretty it's pretty cool. Like in all the other like you know running, we have a sense of how fast we're going. It doesn't you know there's not enough current, right? And and you know certainly on biking we have the speedos, so it's nice to and it kept us awake a lot. We'd play the game, you know, we're falling asleep, you're staring at that thing and seeing if you can get it, find the current that bumps it up a tiny bit. Absolutely. Uh, which which is pretty cool. Yeah, um, it definitely helps your your mental game for sure. Yeah. Um, but you know, so, go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, I was just going to, you know, a, a little bit about training, just because for a long time, we as a team, as we figure things out, like we try to keep it secret so we could get better. And then, mm-hmm. you know, and I know that especially in the ultra paddling world is a lot like the, you know, adventure racing world, that there are a lot of teams that go out into these things and 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 struggle or, or succeed, but but are, you know, really struggling to kind of make the gap. Like you have these paddlers that win everything, you know, like Sally O'Donnell, you know, is one oh. of them that we're just like, you know, we, we didn't even know who she was, but like we know her now. And we're like, some people are just like at this level, we're like, how do they do that? And then, 
we see that in adventure racing. And one of the best pieces of advice that I got, you know, five years ago, that's kind of changed us as athletes um, was that if you watch the way professional athletes train, um, you know, the, the easy way that it was said to me is like, they spend a lot of time in zone one and two for heart rate. And they spend a lot of time in zone four and five, and they spend zero time in zone three. When you look at an amateur athlete, most of us, the weekend warriors, the people that feel like they have a good workout, they go out on a mountain bike ride and they warm zone up a little bit every and day. they spend the whole time in zone three because zone four sucks. It's hard, right? When you're out for a ride and you're training, you tend to stop right shy of that. Like that's lactate threshold. So you're stopping in zone three. And, you know, physiologically, when you're training in zone three, it takes just as long to recover as if you were training in zone four, right? But it doesn't adapt your body any better than if you were training in zone two. Does that make sense? So like you're, you're getting that, you're getting a base workout, but your recovery is as if you did an intensity workout. And so you're just shooting yourself in the foot over and over again. And you just hit these plateaus that you can't get past. And then, you know, most athletes, like when they go out for a base day or, or an easy day, it doesn't matter if they're in a group ride or there's an ego, they stick with their heart rate. Like they just do not get excited. They don't, need to feel like a workout so you'll do a two-hour run or two-hour paddle and you actually come back feeling like that was late yeah fantastic and when you learn it but a lot of people that we train they're like oh that doesn't count as a workout it was so lazy like i really didn't do anything i didn't feel like i was pushing right and you're like that's exactly where you need to be and then when you're pushing you're not just pushing you're like you're up there like you learn to be up there and so that just you know three or four years ago when we started training that way like everything just started to increase with very, very little time. Yeah. Right. You know, we went from training higher volume to just, you know, very specific eight to 10 hours a week. Uh, so, you know, we know a lot of athletes that think you need a lot of time and people ask us, you know, like, we win these big races. They're like, Oh my God, how much are you training? We're like, Oh, we train like, you know, five to 10 hours a week. And they're like, what are you talking about? They're like, yeah, that's it. Literally that's it. Um, so it just being smart about it. Which is great because then you can play with your kids and you can make pizza and you can have barbecues. <laughs> right? you can like, I don't know, do puzzles, whatever. I I definitely <laughs> agree. And I, I try to get this across to a lot of my clients as well. And, you know, a lot of it's interesting because a lot of ultra endurance athletes, I mean, at least in paddling and in my experience from what I've seen in the paddling community, is that a lot of the women men too, but just because I'm a woman, I'm going to talk about women there. I mean, you look at Sally O'Donnell and, you know, she, she's got to be, I think 61 by now. And, you know, first of all, she looks great. And second of all, it's like, I mean, she's just killing it. And I think a lot of it, you know, does have to do with that type of training you're talking about, but it also has to do a lot with, you know, just being mentally fit. And I think the older we get as either male or female, you know, we start to we start to kind of like get that that light bulb, like oh, you know, it kind of clicks, and then, you know, you've got to have that mental mental strength because if you don't have that, especially in races like you know Yukon 444, Yukon 1000, I mean, all of us, no matter how hard we've trained, you are going to get to the point where your body wants to tap out and your mind is going to take over. So no matter what, you've got it. You've got to have that whether you're born with it or you 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 know get it over you acquire it over time, I don't know, but it's definitely something you've got to have for sure. I mean, my, I I've never met anyone that was born with it. Yeah. 
It take, I mean, maybe it, they it's, are, it's, but you know, it's, yeah. it's been, it's just such a long process of, of breaking the habit of, you know, sit down and eat a snack. Yeah. Right? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, and that's the thing, right? Cause you're, you just have this tension between like, get to the end and make sure your body has what it needs or, or even, mm-hmm. even moments of comfort. Right. Or, or, well, know, I mean, there's, of, there's shades of sit yeah, down yeah, and have a snack. Yeah. Right. But like, yeah. It, and it becomes, you know, the, the conversation we have in our adventure racing team a lot is, you know, you, you can train to get better fitness at a certain point. Like you, you, ha- you know, you're an endurance athlete, like you've done enough of this stuff, you know, you're, you're going to finish the race, you know, like most of people going into the Yukon 1000, like they know they're going to finish. Like mm-hmm. they're, it's not a question of like, Hey, can we do this? It's like, how fast can we do this? How competitive can we be? Right. And that's been our question over the years is um, when we go into these races, how long can we hold on to our goals how clear you know first of all yeah she's ripped but you got to be this certain physique or a certain age we all get to those points where we're paddling where we you know there's there's very few times where we couldn't be giving more attention to paddling just a little bit more attention to a better stroke right two watts more power like all these things but we get in these kind of lulls right Mm -hmm. where we stop caring as much right we we care more about like time passing or thinking about our camp or or eating or, or not feeling the blisters on my hand. Like we, we go through these periods and a lot of racing in at this level, mm-hmm. especially in the Utah 1000, it's like who can keep their eye, you know, on that finish line more consistently. Cause yeah. there were a lot of, there are a lot of really, really good paddlers out there. And, you know, and one of the, you know, one of the things that we talked a lot about was just, you know, never spending more than that six hours. Like, yeah, but that mandatory six hours of sleep every night and that, seems like a long time on the first night and then by the end you know you're you're taking an hour and a half to set up camp and and laying down and your alarm goes off and the last thing you want to do is get up um you know and and that that you know in adventure racing we talk about the mountain biking the, the running and the paddling is the three main skills and then we're realizing now that just competitiveness is a is a huge skill for winning these things like you know like the guys that won alabama 650 that that set the new record like they go out and they think they're going to win every race and they race to win. And it doesn't matter if people get ahead of them, they keep racing. Like they're pushing for that, you know, that record or that prize or that, that speed as much as they can, you know, essentially longer than most people. Um, that's what Sally does. Like when I've talked to her, we've never even met Sally. Uh, she, She's a voice on the phone, on the other yeah. side of a phone from a swamp in Florida. Yeah. She, to me. She, when we were going to do the, the Everglades challenge and we wanted to beat those guys, we just, I don't know how she even reached out to us. Like we just put a, a Facebook message out and yeah. Sally was like, I'll be your, you know, <laughs> virtual support crew. And we're like, oh, that's cool. We had no idea who she was. Like, no, she was like, sure. She's like, I've done the race once. And then now, like four years later, we're like, oh my God. Like lucky. Sally, like in that's our really first cool. ultra endurance race, Sally was our mentor. And we had no idea. Right. Her that's awesome. Up, she's like, so sweet. And, you know, she was telling us all the strategies and like, it was really cool. Um, but yeah, she's a beast and she's super unassuming. And, you know, just having talked to her, so I'm like, she just has this drive and she can hold that drive for a long time. Uh, like that mental drive that you were talking about, yeah. right? It's that, it's that mental aspect that that is hard to, you know, hard to, um, you know, not think is kind of the most important part of some of these races. Mm-hmm, absolutely. So as far as food, I mean, you you guys are experienced adventure racers, so I'm sure, you know, one, one of the biggest worries, I don't know if you two knew this, but 
So originally I was signed up for the Yukon 1000 uh, with April Zilg, who supported me in the Alabama 650 as kind of a way for us to see if we'd work well together, which I got to tell you, I am not, I'm not, you know, I paddled OC6 and I'm great with the team, but as when I do like long stuff, I prefer to be solo um, with the paddling stuff. It's just kind of, I don't know. I don't know what it is, um, but it was going to be my first long, long race with a partner. Um, anyway, she's touring around the world right now. She's a, you know, world-class stand-up athlete. Um, and so we didn't get to do it, but our biggest thing that we were focusing on, cause we knew we could both do it. Um, you know, we're after doing the Alabama 650 after her supporting me and her seeing, you know, what I went through and her phenomenal performance in the California 100, which was kind of embarrassing for me. I was testing her <laughs> to see if she could handle and she beat everyone and I got hypothermia. <laughs> Wow. Amazing. <laughs> yeah, it was so funny. We still kind of laugh about that. But um, anywho, you know, our biggest concern was food. Like, oh, my God, OK, we got to we got to dry all this food. And what are we going to eat? And, you know, she's she's real big on the nutrition stuff, but not for the long, long yeah. haul. So what 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 did you guys eat? Like, what was your food plan? We, we made a starvation pack, right? <laughs> That's right. Win, win, win slash beat the record or go hungry trying. Yeah. So we. <laughs> um, we planned, you know, we weren't sure, but we planned six and a half days worth of food. Um, and recently, like I like to, to brag about Dan's invention. So Dan has had some hard times in the past. If anybody's, you know, hasn't seen it, you should go watch Eco Challenge on Amazon. Um, it's the, you know, the most recent, it's a 10 episode thing of what they call the world's toughest race. It's a big adventure race. And, you know, you get to see Bear Grylls and helicopters, but the very first episode, just watch the first episode because you'll get to see Dan go from a paddling monster. Like we're leading the race, beating the Kiwis, the South Africans, all these legendary teams because Meg trained us in the OC. We got to give credit to Meg and Dave Kilo. Like they trained us in the two-mile two, two, two mile loop and we just trained our asses off and nobody could touch us. And then we touch land and we go from heroes in first place in this big, huge race. Yeah. And there's a moment in, you know, on camera that we're like starting to run out of there in first place and we're like hey is everybody feeling good you know everybody can everybody's good to run and dan's like i can run but i'm not okay and <laughs> cut to like an hour later where he's in his underwear like his eyes roll back in his head we've got him on a tow rope like a bungee cord and we are marching him through these <gasps> villages in front of everybody in his underwear just like stumbling along and we go from first place to last place like oh my god okay this is definitely on my I list of anything. and that's all in the first episode so like okay you know, episode thing um it's a 10 day or 11 day long race but so kind of you know dan's worst day yeah dan's worst day um, <laughs> um he started kind of like playing with different um nutrition right and and liquid nutrition and yeah, so basically. we we he's, he's developed something and we've tweaked it that we call four hour fuel which i read a, about that yeah harder you know four hours worth going a single bike bottle um and so when we got on the water when we got on the yukon 1000 we put on the water and we'd have 16 hours worth of four hour fuel so four bottles right yeah. and we would just drink that all day long and then when we got to camp we would have uh, a big feed of ramen noodles mixed with peanut butter and we pass out we wake up in the morning 
Oh, so good. This that sounds so disgusting. Good. Oh my god, so, so good. good. And not too prominent. This was like the good yeah, ramen. We, we splurged some good stuff. Like, although damn, about like, I definitely splurged. It was all. It was like three. It was written in Korean or something. It was like had all these little cartoons, and it was literally like. <laughs> 4x spicy melt your face off yeah, oh so my son likes those yeah first time we get there that's all we have and we big <laughs> pot of ramen put peanut butter in there and it's glowing red the broth is glowing red i take one bite and i'm like i can't i can't eat it um but no the four hour fuel it's you know one of the things that we really like about it is um oh the other thing that we take is we take we now, emotional food we take emotional food so it's not for calories emotional food is like the little candy bar, a few little gummies, you know, I don't stick know, like a stick of meat, you know, like a little meat stick, a little summer sausage, but like, um, it's emotional. Like, so it's, it's when we don't want any more for our fuel or we're just down and like a, a bite of beef jerky or, or a freaking Snickers bar or a bite of a Snickers bar is like, okay, life is better. I love but, that you call it that. Cool. Well, I mean, the, the, that's what it is. The right? reality is that, that when we're racing, at least, especially paddling and biking, or it's a little different when you're trekking in the mountains and your your heart rate's lower and your your body can digest better. But we found that you know, after a lot of testing, when we're paddling and we're racing or pushing hard, the easiest thing is whatever our body can digest, you know. And and a bit of it is like at the level we're at as athletes, when we go to these races, we're willing to make sacrifices, right? So we've developed this fuel that has, you know, uh, lots of carbohydrates, some some pea protein, uh, BCAAs, you know, high levels, some sodium, like some salt um, and freeze-dried fruit, so it has a super subtle flavor, mixed super thick, and we just drink it all day long. We have a tomato soup flavor, we have a, you know, barely banana flavor, mango, cherry, and it's subtle, um, raw, like raw, you know, I don't know, we got so much ramen broth, it's just like, we take this and we just don't even really care what it is and we're drinking it. Um, and it's two seconds, you know, our hands in the bottle, a 200 calories squirt in your mouth and, it, and you keep battling, right? And so it's like, it, it's we've done it a lot the last two years in adventure racing um and i think the biggest the biggest thing that it, that it lets you do other than just like be efficient is that i don't know for me as i'm paddling or biking or anything really like i can tell when i've undershot food i just get like this this suspicion of like mm, i'm under right like i need <laughs> like i need to actually put some calories in because i'm like underfed essentially um and with the liquid calories, you can just give yourself 400 calories and really quick, like in 10 seconds, half a bottle of, right? of uh, like, liquid. And, and see, so I can go from like, oh, I'm underfed to like, oh, like yeah. my tummy's full and I know that I'll, I'll be better in 10 seconds. Yeah. And like to chew and eat and whatever, like 400 calories worth of cliff yeah. bar, like it's just never going to happen. Yeah. Right. And so what, what I've just seen over and over and over and over again is people get to this like under state, under fuel I'm state, state, I'm hungry state, and they just will never catch up. They just literally can't. It's physiologically impossible for them to catch up. And then they're just hosed for the rest of the race. Or till they stop and rest. Or, or yeah. And, but I mean, and that's basically what happened to me in Fiji, right? I got behind and then kept <coughs> digging because there's a helicopter with Bear grill shouting at me to go fast. Filming him, yeah. Right? You guys are doing great. And it's just like, okay, like, let's dig deep. This is the time. And so we just like, I just dug deeper, 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 deeper. And then like, as the, the final island comes into view, I'm just like, uh-oh. Yeah. Well, this, especially, this is not okay. Like, especially right? we find paddling and biking, like to actually 
I love it trekking too. I, yeah, I mean, yeah, I, but, but, I made the stuff, so I like it trekking. In Fiji, too, but... like we're paddling and there's no wind, right? And we have these outriggers, so the sail's not up, and we're we're paddling, paddling, paddling. And like Dan is like he is Mr. Powerful. You know, we got four of us paddling, and we're all we're all good paddlers, but like everybody feels it as soon as he stops paddling. Right. So he's getting some liquid fuel, but you know, we, well, we they loved, like, I was the only one that brought it on that race. So we're drinking it. All <laughs> so everybody's all drinking and then, it. And then I run out and I'm like, all right, I guess I'll just go um, right now. But you know, it's, it is one of those things that, that we realize paddling and, and to most extent mountain biking, like if you're messing with food, you're not like your output goes way down. Um, yeah. And we made this food that we think is yummy and yummy enough. Yeah. Yummy enough. And it really works. Like we definitely, you know anyway so forever it was our secret and now we you know now we're kind of sharing it and and um, selling it selling means. it yeah <laughs> um, out of my garage like um i'd but, love to try it for yeah, sure we'll, we'll get you some when you come through um but, you know it's very purpose-built and so we we know it works and so it's not even an experiment like when we're looking at the yukon 1000 we're like how do we simplify things right. and we need we, you know, six and a half days and of the, 16 hours a day that's this many bags and we and we know from adventure racing that the more choices you have, the more time it takes to make them. Yeah. Like so, when you have food choices, you spend time making food choices. When your choice is black bottle or white bottle, and you can't remember which one was banana and which one was cherry, you don't care. You're just like, <laughs> ah, which one has more in it? And you're like, oh, that one's almost empty. I'll do the other one next time, right? And that's it. Like honestly, after a while, you can't even tell which is whether you're drinking banana, mango, or cherry. You're like, I don't know. And you just all, um, but you know, you know when i'm hungry when i need fuel i take a drink of this um and it's worked tremendously well and maybe that's why you don't think the rum will be good because if you drink four hour fuel for 16 hours you get on land and somebody <laughs> gives you this steaming hot bowl of spicy chicken ramen with yeah. peanut butter mixed in yeah. you're like wow this yeah. is so good but it was funny man we, there were there were teams that had like a little um foam thing set on the front of their boat and so they had their like uh, fuel <coughs> they canister attached to their boat and they would like screw in their whole jet tower boil. of jet boil and they would be like cooking food what? in this like <laughs> attachment to their to their boat like they just looked like they were a steam engine right just like paddling along with this like steam jet <laughs> shooting out the front of their Dan, boat. Dan and I couldn't even steer our boat effectively so <laughs> there was like, no we're, chance we're not, no it's not gonna do yeah. that yeah. But there was a lot of people eating a lot of cooked food on that on that race, um, which, is, which is cool. Like I'm power to eat whatever you want to eat. I don't. I, delicious. It's I don't not, care. I'm sure it's super yummy. It's not what we do. It's not. That's not our. That's not our. Yeah. Our plan anyway. It is fun traveling now because like you can't buy that anymore. So like now we're you know we're traveling to Yukon with thousand. We have you know just thirty kilos and, of, and, of white powder in in individually like. <laughs> but i do like anybody that does that race i just want to put out a challenge because i don't know if anybody else did it but us but like on the website it says like you know you're starting in whitehorse and you're ending a thousand miles away and they are like there's no way we're like bringing you back here or bringing your crap back here or taking your crap to the end like so their suggestion is like get on the airplane with the pair of clothes you're wearing and and one extra pair of like either paddling clothes or your dry clothes and like come to the race with your stuff Stick everything you bring with you. So don't bring your computer. Don't bring anything. Stick it all in your boat. Paddle to Alaska. Get on a plane in Fairbanks and fly home. Like so, it's like this cool challenge. And then we get there, and like everybody's got all these bags that they're giving to people to take to the end, a thousand miles away. And Dan and I are just like, 
we don't have anything. So like literally everything we brought on the airplane, we fit in the boat and paddled all the way to Alaska yeah. to the end of the race and then got out of the boat and we had like, we just- He gave us a t-shirt. That's so how we had that one plain t-shirt to go home in. They, they everything else was filthy. Like, you know, and we're just like, they're living this stuff. We're like, all we have, we don't even have any good food. We've just got the extra packet of ramen since we packed six days worth, right? So we have a little bit of ramen and some more for our fuel for the last day. And that's it. And we get off and go home. So it was pretty cool. It was crazy. We're just like, nothing, nothing extra. Um, wow, that's pretty badass. That's definitely a challenge that I think most people would not be able to do. But we know when John, when the race director hears this, I want him to make that the, the new rule. Yeah, totally. Like, like they, they pick you up at the airport Super. and they're like, let us see what you have. Okay, let's <laughs> have to in your canoe. <laughs> <laughs> um, wow, anyway. that's impressive. So, so since, since you were, I mean, since the food was pretty easy, it sounds like, yeah. when you took advantage of that, I mean, for that six hours, how what what was your plan? I mean, did you did you even practice setting up camp? I mean, how did that work? Everybody that knows us, that the other fun thing is like Dan and I, like our team is super organized. My wife, Chelsea, is super organized, like Alex, Alex a bunch totally, of the guys, they're like making charts and packing weeks early for this, you know, because we had a lot of stuff going on, and this is why we choose one race. A year or so you know every other year yeah. to do together because if it's just the two of us we literally will find a giant duffel and 12 hours before the flights leave and we'll kind of go through the mandatory gear list throw a bunch of stuff in hope we don't forget it all and and go to the airport not even really knowing you know where we're staying or where the pre-race meeting is and we're just kind of looking that just, up as we go just hoping to god that he brought a bug net yeah um <laughs> yeah like he did i did i brought two so it was great um bug but, net bug net worked but, you know, it, it's kind of, and we're not suggesting people do this, but it is like kind of a joy, joy for us to. But it was fine, yeah, right? It, we, yeah. have, we have six hours. We know physiologically we <clears throat> have a hard need of three and a half hours of sleep. More than that is really like kind of doesn't really matter. Yeah. Um, so we're just planning on pull over, set up tent, make food, make food, fall asleep, wake up, pack the boat, get out. Yeah. And like if we're shooting to have three and a half hours of sleep, it's pretty mellow, everything else. Yeah. You know, like he can figure out how to put the tent together on the first try and I can figure out how to like work the, the work this, and, like how to light a fire. Cause of course the, the you lighter, know, lighter that we brought got wet and it's like, okay, like, um, this is all dumb. Why are we, why are and, we so you know, stupid? Mostly like, we get, um, you know, we get in the tent, we were, we were pretty good about, you know, uh, doing, we use a stuff called skin doctor and like, dealing with our, our wounds yeah, taking care because that's you know nobody told us about that either when we started doing ultra paddling races that like you know we're used to blisters on our feet for all these you know massive treks and then some of the worst things ever come from these paddling races where you're just like sitting and like totally the chafe spots are just like and you're like yeah. trying to you wish for a different seat all the time and different like you're just like the Washington 360 I was like bleeding all across my back and we're just so bad. so bad and you're just yeah. like okay um and so we're, we're really this this race because of that stop it was great and you know yeah we it, felt amazing the whole time we just got to, to treat ourselves and, yeah. and take care of ourselves which is nice the last um, couple of days got sleep because we didn't bring enough caffeine but yeah you know yeah yeah it was, it was uh it was yeah i mean it's an amazing race and really the 
the unsupported stop, I think, adds a really cool element. It doesn't quite let you push into the realm of stupid danger, which, which we smart. would. We you know, like would've. if there was no sleep requirement, we'd be doing 45, 50 hours before we sleep. And, and you know, it, it probably wouldn't be worth it, especially because it, in the Yukon, you know, as, as tame as it seems at times, like the, the rescue operation is not very fast. Yeah. You know, it, it's a huge river with a ton of force. And um, if you capsize and lose stuff or get separated from your teammate on the other side of a river, it's, you know, at some point the river's like 2K wide. Yeah. You know, it's like crazy. Um, so it was it was nice to just really stay mostly with it in that race. And did you have any trouble? Because I know the the river level was super high this yeah. year. Uh, did you have trouble finding a spot at that 18 hour mark? Not really. Like it's a like you're going so fast that like. And two they give you hours yeah, to be of clear, paddling. You're you're going 30k. They give you a two-hour window, so you right. you can you can stop anytime between 10 o'clock and midnight. Yeah, got it. And then and then your six hour starts there. So yeah. mm. um, so you just cover so much ground. Like you're gonna find something in 30k, basically. Um, and they were super cool about it, right? He's like, if you see something early, stop. It doesn't matter. If you have to go a little late to find something, it's fine. Like six just hours. Just stop night. for six hours a night. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, we definitely, it was harder in the beginning. And then, you know, the, the really cool thing was, but the maps were good. They the had high water and, camps and, on them and they were correct. Yep. And we and just like once, rolled up and did it. Once you get to the flats, which was the, you know, the part that we hadn't done before that, that part, it was, you know, like the river was high, but basically it just meant there were less sandbars and, mm -hmm. and the, and the currents and the channels were like really not there. It was like mostly a huge wide river with a couple yeah tree sticking up and, and so it's like even then like when you find the sandbar you could find something it was um it was, that was fun though like like looking for yeah, the camps yeah. that definitely made you know i really we got better at it really like that because in most awesome. of most of the you know the Yukon river quest you just have to stop at certain points so this was mm -hmm. kind of cool to have this window and and start looking for this mosquitoless camps that's the thing it doesn't matter what you're sleeping on the last night there which i think was our best camp we found this spit and there's a little sandy part that we could have set up but there were some bugs there and then the spit went way out and it was rocks it was like fist-sized rocks like you know gravel um and but there were no it was like just so far out there there was just a breeze going across it and so i convinced dan that we were gonna it was gonna be like a hot stove massage and we set the tent up on these rounded boulders and and you know put our tiny little pads down and and i it felt amazing to me just because I, I, made him, I made him do it, so it had to feel amazing to me. Uh, yeah. But there were no bugs, you know, like we didn't get a single, there were these swarms of dragonflies flying around, and anytime a mosquito would come near us, the dragonfly would just like swoop in. We felt like we had this, you know, our own like Air Force, dragonfly Air Force just protecting us. On That's awesome. Day. And it was great, because we had been pretty buggy, buggy and, and eaten. Um, yeah, it gets buggy. I can remember the coffee creek which i don't believe this year oh. for the yukon river quest the that people had to stop there but it was an absolute nightmare i think i had a million chigger bites all over my face my neck my anything exposed and it just looked like i had chicken pox it was yeah. so bad for like two weeks yeah, and i yeah. couldn't sleep it was yeah. terrible so bad yeah 
So what uh, about animals? Any other, I mean, did what kind of wildlife did you see saw, out there? The coolest thing was we saw a moose trying to cross the river. Mm. There was a lot of a lot of birds, like, you know, soaring birds kind of things. Yeah. Um, yeah. We didn't see any bears. We didn't see any. Like, really? No bears. We didn't see anything scary um, other than the mosquitoes. <laughs> Lots of mosquitoes. Yeah, we saw some otters. Some, uh, oh, we saw right. a moose and, and two babies swimming across the river. At, at first, I thought there was a bunch of otters or like beers like slapping the water. But it turns out it was just like the banks of the river collapsing into the water. It was just like cracking oh, yeah. the water as the like erosion happened. Um, but we, and who knows, like maybe we could have, like there was about a 30 or 40 mile section where there was no visibility because of wildfires. <laughs> yeah. So we just yeah, had our, repairs there. our masks on and like literally you couldn't see yeah. more than a hundred feet. And, and so you're just kind of floating in this weird post-apocalyptic white fog, um, with this, you know, gas mask on <laughs> or uh, smoke mask on. And, uh, it was just awesome and bizarre. Yeah. So who knows? There could have been bear. I think that's where the bear were. That's the bears love, just, the, just, love the smoke. We just couldn't see him. Smokey the bear. That's right. Well, cool. I mean, I I'm so jealous. I I really I want to go do the Yukon just by myself, <laughs> not even racing. I just want to go mm -hmm. do it the whole two thousand miles. Well, we just solo to, is wait for the race. yeah by myself. <laughs> I'm such a weirdo. I love being alone. I'm such a loner. I like people, but I also like, I just like being alone in nature. There's just, and I think that's why I do, you know, the solo races is because I, I just feel, I don't know. It's just me against myself and you know, no, no one, no one to push me. I don't have to push anyone else. And it's, it's been fun, but I mean, I definitely would like to do, you know, a race with someone, but I think it's hard. It's hard to find someone that you, it's hard to find someone that you can vibe with. Cause I've heard it too. I mean, I know you, you said earlier in, in the discussion that, you know, there there's teams that fall apart, and I've heard it. I've heard it in the Yukon. I've heard it in mm -hmm. uh, not so much in the Alabama, but I did see I did see it in the Alabama one year. You know, partners or race crew, get, you know, getting into arguments about this, that, and the other thing. And I just don't want anything to do, to do with it. Yeah, I mean, it, adventure racing has made that yeah. I think significantly easier for us. Um, because that's a requirement. Like for the yeah. professional adventure racing circuit, it's a four-person color team, yeah. and there's just no way to do it any other way. Yeah, and so it just filters for, yeah, like people who can like either tolerate or learn to tolerate, like to do hard stuff together. Yeah, and it's a trial by fire for sure in adventure racing. Like we have definitely. I mean, Jason and I specifically, and also like on teams generally. Like there's been a lot of like working Work it out, really having to work it out. You know, and and even on this race, we had some really intense like conversations of just like mm -hmm. how you're relating to me is hurting me right now, yeah. right? Like, you know, it's like this is not the way you're the way you're giving me feedback is like not working. Like it's having the opposite effect of what you want. It's like okay, like let's talk about this. You know, like it is worth battling less hard for the next half hour while we have this little like conversation, self mediated, you know, like therapy session. I was like, okay. Great, perfect. Now I know how to tell you what what you want to hear, and you know how to tell me what I need to hear, and now we can keep going. Um, Which is, I mean, it, it's basically like we talked about how important the mental was. 
mm -hmm. right? In these expedition races, these endurance races. And so maybe, you know, for adventure racing specifically or or partnership paddling, it's not just the mental part, but it's also how good you are at relationships. Totally. Because that like relationship management and, and being open and being able to hear criticism and respond in a constructive way that makes the relationship better. Because if the relationship's not good, then you yeah. can't work on the mentality of the competitiveness and the mental toughness. Right. Well, who so, wants to paddle harder for some asshole? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> like like yeah. straight up, right? Like that's and that's that's all there is to it, right? Like, um, and and it's kind of funny, you know, we we had a lot of reporting from the from the Washington 360 race, and and you know, the 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 guys at the end kind of had a similar pitch of just like, oh man, you guys are just paddling robots, you just go out there and paddle, paddle, paddle. And I'm just like laughing because it's like the amount of emotional work that we have to do in order to be paddling robots is really high, really high you know. Um, so we're just like out there, out there, you know, emoting at each other, trying to figure out how to, you know, be, come back into the like Zen meditative paddling robot state. Um, it's a, I mean, with, you know, we, we talked about this some that with races like, uh, you know, the way we did the Yukon 1000 or the adventure races, whenever you're doing an event that and your your success is directly tied to somebody else, mm -hmm. right? There's a lot of ways to think about it, but there's an, there's this unconscious way that, that most people could probably at least relate to a little bit that you have one built-in excuse yeah. that doesn't have anything to do with your ego even does that make sense like you're paddling with a partner and at the back of your head if things aren't going well somewhere in your subconscious for most of us is a thing that's like i just needed a different partner right it's like an easy thing or like that partner wasn't working out they were you know they weren't paddling good enough or they weren't fit enough or they were eating too much or, or they didn't want to sing with me whatever it is like like these are natural things when when relationships don't work out right like very few of us i mean i'm sure there are some people but like blame relationship failures on ourselves like deep down mm -hmm. we're like that person could have done this better or this person was crazy or like and so when we fail in something we set out to do where we're tied to another person like an adventure race or you know partner battle race like or marriage like <laughs> we're, we're that the success has to be you know together right and so that's an interesting thing you know so like you know i too get the solo thing but like one of the fascinating things for me coming from triathlon which was just about um you know like solo how how strong can i be what's my mental game was event racing was this awesome place where the biggest challenge had nothing to do with the physicality it was like your own mental space and how well you could affect everybody else's mental space or not be affected by that, you know, like to build the best family for the duration of the event that includes suffering and misery and like, you know, all kinds of failure and how, how can we stay together? So that's, that's the super cool part about having with somebody. That's my pitch. Go find a partner. See what it's like. No, it is. I I agree with that. And you know, going back to me uh, paddling outrigger is that's one thing I noticed. You know, about um, I paddled for uh, Team Outrigger Canoe Club from Oahu, and you know, our our biggest competition was uh, Bradley. I don't know if you've heard of mm -hmm. Team Bradley yeah. before, mm -hmm. but I mean, this group of women were just so like you said, they just understood each other and they were just so strong. It was like they were one. And that's kind of what, you know, that's what we always tried to think like, okay, well, you know, it isn't about blaming this, that, and the other thing on everyone else. It's about, you know, finding each other's strengths and weaknesses and, you know, 
building upon that and taking care of one another and becoming essentially six man becoming one, right? Right, right. So and, it's and that's and it's every beautiful. failure, like every failure belongs to the team. Like, mm-hmm. that, like literally, even if Dan hadn't brought his mosquito net, and so one of us had to go without our mosquito net and get eaten all over the head, and we're going back and forth, and I'm pissed because I brought mine, but whatever. Like, like it's a team failure. Like it's it's us not taking enough time planning. It's not us us not asking the right questions. When we get lost, when we're navigating. It's not the navigator's fault. Like it's the team's fault for you know not making sure the navigator was well rested, not asking questions, not helping. Like you know the whole thing is. You know, when we all take the blame, then we all get to actually take credit for the successes, yeah. right? Which is, you know, which is kind of the exciting part of just reframing how that works um, has yeah. been pretty fascinating. So that's great. So what's next? Um, I don't know. We, Nationals we, for you, Worlds for me. I do this. Yeah, this swim, oh, in this, one water. <laughs> this expedition swim run in Sweden. It's never been done before. It's swimming and running for 350 kilometers across the Stockholm archipelago. And this is Jason, Jason talking. And then Dan Dan and my wife, Chelsea, are going to world championships, Mm -hmm. adventure racing in Paraguay. And at the very same time, I'm going with some of our other teammates, um, Laban and Mel, to national championships. So we have a, uh, and then we get to sleep, eat, hang out, I don't know. We we have to get not race. Christmas. Yeah, then it's Christmas, not race for a little bit. Um, but season. we're, you know, we're looking at, at another, you know, paddling race next year. I think it might be time for the Alabama 650. Um, still want to do the R2AK in this. Yeah, we still want to. Yeah, that's on our list. So keep that on your list too. We want to do outrigger to Alaska. Yes. But I think we I know a I know a guy. Man, I think we want a five-man crew in a six-man yep. thing, so one person can sleep, and you've got four men, women, four well, people going yeah. 24/7. Yep. Makes sense. Four hour sleep or something like that. Mm-hmm. So um, anyway, so if you know, so since you have experience, we're just you know um, making you put that in your you know desire box or whatever your your dream. I is. am. I have desire for it all. I am. I'm. I'm new to this. I mean, you know, I'm new yeah. to to this. Uh, you know, it's it's only what 2022. I my first race was MR340 in 2018, and you know, I just. I had heard about the the Yukon 1000 uh, from two guys that were doing it in 2018, uh, Will and, gosh, his partner's name, Patrick. Um, and I just, I don't know what it is. I just fell in love with it. I love really, really long stuff. I love the struggle. Uh, but, yeah, I, I, I missed out on getting to do the the Yukon 1000 with the teammate, which I I'm hoping to get to do soon, but yes, Alabama 650. I'm actually going to be there this year. I'm going to take over the social media, which will be really cool because since I'm not going to be doing the race, I really want to see it from the other side. I want to be able to take everything in and actually like see, you know, because when we race, you know, sometimes we have that tunnel vision where it's like, we're not, we're not getting a chance to, to look at the view and take it all in. And so it's going to be really fun for me. I'm really excited. And I know earlier you asked about, you know, not having a support crew that for the Alabama 650 would be extremely difficult. Also, I don't think allowed because of the portaging, it's just such a far portage. So, I mean, there's really no way around that unless you want to run. No, no, I three want hours. 
like I have no problem with the support crew. It's just like our default is, you know, oh, let's just go do this thing. And we don't even really think about it. Uh. Um, but like, yeah, we know we've talked enough to Sally hearing, you know, listening to a bunch of your podcasts and, and um, just like knowing more about it. Like, I just want to know if we can take one boat or what the rap is like. I have a thousand, but that doesn't need to be on this podcast, but I have a thousand questions for you and Sally because, you know, like I'll be honest, what we're super excited about is trying to go into these races and win them and beat the records mm-hmm. like that and and i'm not gonna like shy away from that because that kind of holds us accountable and we're not always yeah. going to do it but like i want to go and, and beat paul and joe right i want to go whoever wins these races i want to go race them and beat them or try right because that's it, it's it's exciting you know like i don't know if, see you know, what we can do dan and i are really good paddlers we have a ton of fun paddling together we have a lot of fun getting our asses kicked like we did in the U. We pushed so hard <laughs> in the U. <laughs> came up short and it was awesome. Yeah. But it was like this, you know, we felt like, I don't know, I, I, I don't think I've ever pushed that hard for the last no. 10 hours of that race. It was disgusting. Um, <laughs> but anyway, so we still are finished with a boat full of pee. <laughs> well, it was great talking to you and thank you so much for taking time to meet with me. I know you guys both have families and. My son's in Oregon right now. I just have my two dogs with me. So how, how old is son? Older or younger? He's 13. Cool. Yeah, it was super fun. It's cool getting a little bit into the ultra paddling world. Like we we really have known nothing, but now I've listened to enough, you know, three or four year podcasts, so I kind of know a little bit about Greg, you know, and and Joe and Paul and and some of these, you know, Sally, of course, and some of these other people. So it's kind of fun. Well, let me know if you guys have any questions. You can always message well, me. And- for sure cheers all right guys have a wonderful night thanks so much okay bye all right well if that doesn't make you want to sign up for an adventure race i don't know what would go to benracing.com where you can check out the pro team bios upcoming races training four hour fuel and more I'm also excited to share that the Yukon 1000 has just announced that their race is going annual instead of every other year. So make sure you get in your applications for 2023. Mahalo for listening and I'll see you on the water.